Obi-Wan, are you there? Almost. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I'm here. I'm here alive and well. 1, 2, 3, so it's green light. Everything is good. 1, 2, 1, 2, 1, 2. 1, 2. Must I go to the other one? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I want to be a good citizen and be hands-free. <laughs> okay, we're there. All right, so we want to pick up for those of you that weren't here last week. I made a couple of statements. We're speaking about the restoration of the tabernacle of David. And we have to get into someone's head before you can change the way that they live. Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. And so many of us, we don't understand why has God given these things for us to do? Because some of these things actually make us look silly. Right? You don't want to answer that one. You're playing safe. So in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, it says, We're demolishing arguments and every petition that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So what is that saying? When your and my thinking crosses God's thinking, who changes? We do. Okay, so it says, uh, sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. So if I start to change the way that I think, if I start to understand what God really is saying and what God really wants me to do, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit easier for me to do that. Okay? And um, in Amos 9, in 11, it says, In that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. So if you think about David, what do you think about? You think about what a man he was in the sense of worshiping, magnifying Lord. Is that right? Okay. In Acts 15, 16, it says, after that, it's quoting the very same thing again. I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And I will build it again, uh, again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. And then it says this of David in Acts chapter 13. It says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my heart. He will do everything I want him to do. What an amazing testimony about someone that comes from the mouth of God himself. And so as we carry on with the whole rebuilding of the restoring of the tabernacle of David, we're not on a pet subject over here. In fact, I have been in Josh Jen for a short period of time, and I have heard uh, Andrew say this, that we're rebuilding a biblical model of church. That's all we're doing. Because... When something doesn't make sense to my own thinking, it's very easy to move away from it. And we just become like almost very picky on what we choose to live and what we choose to ignore. Right or wrong? I found that in my life. And the problem is God doesn't let you go. Because the reason why he talks to you and I is because there's something something that he's after in you and me. Because you and I are the people that radiate the goodness and the greatness of God. And so we're not going to water down and we're not going to add on. All we want to do is we want to be true reflection of what the church should be. Amen. 
Good stuff. So, so we're going to hear the word of the Lord is telling us how to praise and worship. Here's the problem. And I've heard this over many years that I've been serving God. Well, that's just not me. Okay, then what is you? So I have one question. Who created you? You have to answer the question. Who created you? Did you kind of like evolve? Or were you created? Okay, the Bible says that we were created. How were we created? In His image and in His likeness. Okay, so if we were created in His image and His likeness, and somewhere along the line we're going to hear of how God is clamorously foolish in the heavenlies when He thinks about you and me. If you were created in His image and His likeness, then there's something that you need to respond and be clamorously foolish about Him. Oh, oh, we're getting quiet now. And so in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, but you are a chosen people. Bump your neighbor and say you're chosen. In other words, you're not a mistake. You're not a, you, you just didn't seem to happen to land up over here. You were actually chosen. It says you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Woo! I don't know about you, but that makes me happy, Chappy. That you may what? Declare. What does that look like? When you declare something, do you kind of like whisper it somewhere over there? Or are you very bold and front-footed when you make a declaration? So when somebody says, do you love Jesus? Not too sure. Or, yes, I am a child of the living God, washed by the blood of Jesus. He lives on the inside of me. I am not my own any longer. I've been bought with a price, and therefore my life will radiate His goodness, His greatness, His glory, His magnificence, wherever and however. That's what I want. So, so we were, the fact is that you and I were created to express and to declare His praises. That's what, we were, that's what you created for. Number one, to express and declare His praises. What does that mean? To make His name great. Magnify it. Now, the last time I, I kind of like looked up the word magnify, it means make it big. Make it louder. It doesn't mean make it smaller. And here's the deal. If you say that this is not you, then I want to ask you how has the you that you are now changing the world that you live in when you're not living God's word? And you'll find it's not. But when you and I somehow allow our minds to not be consumed by how I feel and what I think is right, but when I allow my mind and my life to now live how God wants me to live, it's amazing how many more people come and ask me, but what's different about you? Because there's something about life that draws people. And Jesus said this, I came to give you life and life to the full. So there's just something about that. And so, you know, people say, this is not me. I'm not that excited person. But that same person, when they're watching their kid at a sports game, and they're standing on the edge of the field, it's amazing. They're a totally different person. And you think, where did you come from? 
What came alive in you all of a sudden? In fact, I love watching parents on the side of a rugby field or something. I mean, they go, they go vault. We had a lady in um, Lady Brand, and um, she used to get more excited than her husband. Man, she, she, she almost got on the field and played rugby with her son. She was like, quite amazing. How should we praise God? So there are things that I'll do in the natural that has a spiritual implication. Remember that. Sometimes I do physical things, but it has a spiritual implication. And I want to read one of them before, before we get into all this stuff. In 2 Kings 13, reading from verse 40, it says, Now Elisha had been suffering from an illness from which he died. So eventually Elisha died, and he died from this. Johas, who can say that properly? Adam, where are you? Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father. Do you remember that? Elisha said that about Elijah when God was about to take him. The chariots and the horsemen, exactly the same words. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said. And he opened it. Shoot, Elijah said. And he shot, and the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. Aram right then was the, the, the kind of like enemy that was, that was just messing them around. So Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Armenians and Aphek. You've got to say that very slowly, otherwise it's kind of like, it doesn't sound all that well. Then he said, take the arrow. Now listen to this now. Take the arrows, and the king uh, took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you'll defeat it only three times. So here's the thing. And after one of the Gospels, when, when, when Jesus comes and he, and he, and he, and he uh, tempted, uh, when he was in the wilderness and he was tempted, I think it's in the book of Luke, the only one that says that the devil left him for another opportune time. What you and I need to understand is that when the enemy comes for us and he loses, he will be back. So don't stop what you're doing. And that's the point that he's trying to say here. Why did you take those arrows and just do it? In other words, the king did it half-heartedly because in his brain, it was like he was, this is crazy stuff. What does he think he's telling a king to, to kind of take an arrow? But what he didn't understand was what God was trying to teach him and the things that God wanted to do. And in pra- and our praise and worship, I want to tell you, there are many things that God's going to tell you to do that in your mind does not make sense. But I'm telling you, watch what God will do when you are just simply obedient to that one. So the Bible tells us in Matthew 12, 30, love the Lord your God with some of your heart, with a little bit of your soul, with a tiny corner of your mind, and none of your strength. <laughs> you see, that's how we do it. We only give Jesus some, but he's asked for all, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. It's got quiet now. Last week, we ended off with all the ways that the Bible talk about praising and worshiping. It talks about shouting, singing, thanksgiving, joyful noise, crying out in tongues, Uh, laughter, musical instruments, bowing, kneeing, falling prostrate, clapping your hands, lifting your hands, dancing, standing. Every single one of those either require your voice, your body, or an attitude. 
So when you and I come to magnify Jesus, you're going to have to bring all of those to be able to do that. Three things take place when I apply the ways the Lord teaches us how to demonstrate or, or, or how to praise Him. Demonstrating reverence and respect. Can I, can, I, can I make this bold statement? I think the reverence and the respect for God is kind of like being lost. We've lost, I think, a little bit of the fear of the Lord. And I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord in the sense of I'm scared of Him. I'm talking about that reverence, respect of who He is. We become very casual in what we do and how we do. So here, here's the thing. If praise and worship is a place where God says, I inhabit, I come and live, I come and dwell, and we see how we actually behave in it, I think we would do things differently. When I realize God's in this place. You know, if you walk into a building and the president's there, it's amazing how just the president of a nation pulls everything in order. You just don't walk in and out how you want to, and you just don't talk amongst yourselves. And you, No, no, when, when he talks, you stop, you listen, everybody else is quiet. But we're not talking about a president of a nation. We're talking about the king of all kings. We're talking about the God that created everything. And yet we come with a very casual. Now, I'm not, I'm not asking us to become so spiritually minded or heavenly minded. We know earthly good, and I'm not asking that. I'm asking us that we have an attitude of God, I respect you, and that we desire your presence. So are you ready? Are you ready? Musicians, are you ready? Number one. Number one. Okay, so everything's going to be very practical, okay? Is that all right? So number one, the God Bible says, it talks about musical instruments. Come on. Uh, just one for a... You are good. Okay, so the musicians are getting themselves together. Let me tell you, sometimes you have to start there. Something has to be triggered on the inside of you. You guys are brilliant. <laughs> okay, you can rest for a moment. But not for too long, okay? So the Bible talks about musical instruments in our praise and our worship. In Psalm 150 verse 3, it says, Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. We don't have one of those, but we improvised. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Okay, we've got an improviser of a, of, a, of a harp there in the fire. Praise him with the tambourine and the dancing. There was me. <laughs> Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clashing of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. In other words, God likes a noise. <laughs> Come on, Sam. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a bigger tip next time. <laughs> okay, so listen to me. Sometimes we don't have instruments, and we understand that. But when you do, use them. Use them. Because God, everything that exists, God created. And He created. Now, now, here's the thing. Do you think you guys could play something where you're playing all in a different key? Could you do that? Yeah. Hey? 
the difference. <laughs> nothing came alive inside you. Nothing. In fact, you should have seen some of your faces. It's like, yo, 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 yo. So listen to this. In Isaiah 30, 29, it says, And you will sing as on the night you celebrate a, a holy festival. Your hearts will rejoice as when people play, uh, playing pipes go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. The Lord will cause people to hear his majestic voice. Through instruments, you will cause people to hear his majestic voice. And will make them see his arm coming down with raging anger and consuming fire with cloudbursts, thunderstorms, and hail. The voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria. With his rod, he will strike them down. Listen to this. Every stroke the Lord lays on them with his punishing rod will be to the music of the tambourine and the harp as he fights them in battle with the bows of his arm. The reason why we don't magnify him the way we should is because we don't understand what God's doing when we're just doing this stuff. <laughs> ah, so there are times, music and the instrument, in fact, everything. Remember, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. That's where things are changing. And if you want something to change in the natural, that's where you've got to get it to change first. And our praise and our worship Tackles that area. It's amazing that when it comes out of that speaker there, it's the heavenlies that are affected before it touches you. Before you hear a thing, the heavenlies are being moved. Psalm 144 verse 1. Praise be to the Lord my rock, yeah, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. What do you think you use when you're playing an instrument? Your fingers, your hands. And he says, he's training my hands for war. So every time we do this, some musicians, I, want to, I, I, I challenge you today that every time you practice, every time you come on a Sunday, we're creating warfare. We're creating war. We're changing the atmosphere. Remember, in, so in 1 Samuel 16, Saul was being harassed by an evil spirit. Remember that? How did he, how did he, did he get peace in himself? They, I, he asked for someone to come and play an instrument. Who did they bring? David. David came and played the harp. And all of a sudden, things changed. So, are you convinced now that musical instruments is a part of what God wants us? You're right. Number two, are you ready? Are you ready? This is for everybody. Number two, clapping your hands. Everybody, start a clap. make you think of? When you're clapping your hands, what does it make you think of? War? But just in the natural, in what we do. It's normally celebrating something that's been a great victory or a great, or, or somber's accomplishment or something like that. Am I right? But there's something else connected to it. In Psalm 47 verse 1, it says, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Now that word there, clap, is the word taqwa. I think it's Sounds like I'm speaking New Zealand now. And that word, listen to this, when you clap, it means to smash, to slap, to strike, to thrust, to drive a nail. 
Say that again. Smash, slap, strike to thrust to drive a nail. So this is what I, I believe that when you and I start to do that thing, we start to drive a nail into the plans and the strategies of the enemy. That's Basil's kind of definition of putting all that stuff together. And I don't know about you, but I need the enemy's plans brought to nothing. Number three, shouting. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Shout. Read your voice. I don't know how many of you maybe watched the rugby yesterday, the storm was against the whatever, and it was a packed stadium. Can you imagine the sound in that place when the stormers scored a try? Yes. So it's the same scripture as Psalm 147, clap your hands, shout unto God with a voice of love. And so in the Hebrew, that, that, the word there, clap, is ruah, to split the ear with sounds or to mark. So I don't know if you've ever had somebody clap their hand very hard next to your ear. Okay? The next word there is shabak, to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph. Next word there is ranah, to shout with joy, sing loud with joy. In other words, there's excitement, there's victory. And then another one there is tsala, T-S-A-H-A-L. Sounds like a food. Means to cry aloud, to rejoice. In other words, crying out. So when you and I are are are, are shouting, God raises arises with the shout of His people. Therefore, splitting the ear of the enemy, breaking His plans, bringing victory, celebration, and joy. Ah, I love this. Psalm forty-seven, verse five. God has ascended amid the the shouts of joy. Psalm 68, 1, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. In 2 Samuel 6, David returns. We looked at that scripture intensely last week. He returns with the ark. It came with dancing and shouting because it was a victory of bringing the presence of God back to Jerusalem where it should be. In Joshua chapter 6, we read about Joshua taking Jericho. And after they had walked around the, the, the wall for six days, on the seventh day they did it seven times. And the last instruction was? And the walls came coming down. I want to tell you, if you're facing walls in your life right now, it's time for you to get your voice operating. It's time for you to say, maybe you're at home and you don't want to annoy the, 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 um, the neighbors. Then shout into your pillow. But do something. Okay, everybody stand. Number four. Everybody stand, please. Dancing. Dancing. Yes. A lack of wild. Wild. Okay, so for 30 seconds, for 30 seconds. Please, I want to talk to the older generation. And no, 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 I'm not giving an age there. Okay? So here's the deal. Maybe your body doesn't allow you to go wild like James and Joshua and anybody else. But I'm sure that your body can move because you walked in here. So I'm asking you, even if you just kind of like rock on your feet like this, this is okay. But do something. Do something. You see, you're going to have to train yourself to be godly. Okay, here we go. We're going to dance. We're going to dance. Woo!
to dance To celebrate with all we have We'll dance to thank you for mercy Glory taught us how to shout We'll lift your name in all the earth And we'll shout to praise on your glory Okay, that's a warm-up, that's a warm-up you guys are doing good, you're doing good. So basically dance is an expression of praise and it's, 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 it's an expression of celebration, joy and victory. Isn't that right? You guys better get your voice back, I mean your, your, your oxygen back, leveled back quickly. So Psalm 149 verse 3 says, praise him. No, it doesn't say praise him. It says, let them praise his name with dancing and make music too with him with a tambourine and with a harp. Psalm 150 verse 4, it says, praise him with a tambourine, dancing, praise him with string instruments and flute. The word there is halal. We're not talking about a food now. We're talking about an action. And it means to shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate. Clamorously foolish. Rave. Yeah. In fact, in fact, the word hallelujah comes from that. That's the root word for hallelujah. So in Psalm, in, in 2 Samuel 6, David does this, bringing the ark back. We're not going to go over this stuff. Moses and Miriam, after Pharaoh's whole army got drowned in the sea, did this. In Exodus 15, Mo, uh, yeah, so, so that's where they found Moses and Miriam doing that. In Exodus, uh, da, 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 sorry, in Judges 5, Deborah and Barak de- defeat the Canaanites and with jubilant dancing. So every time, well, here we're seeing the scriptures of when there's been great victory, there's celebration. And you and I need to learn to get to the place that when God's been a brave, serious breakthrough in our life, we need to celebrate that. That's why testimonies are so good, because they inspire people to be able to do that. Okay, I don't want to go on too long because I want to give us room to be able to do this. Number five, sing. 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 You're going to get tired going up and down, up and down. Pass it to dad. <laughs> Sing. We will sing, sing, sing. I'll make music with the heavens. We will sing, sing, sing. And grateful that you hear us when we shout your
sorry about that. We must put speakers inside there or something. So basically when we sing, we sing who he is, what he is. And here's the thing. That's why we sing the word, because then we release God to be who he says he is. Our praise and our worship is a prophetic utterance that causes God to move. That is so awesome. Psalm 149 verse 6. May the people of God, uh, sorry, may the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hand. Listen to this. To inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. To bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron. To carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all the saints. Praise the Lord. Oh. Have you noticed that the Satanists put their graffiti all over walls? Have you noticed that? Why do they do that? Because when they write it over there, they're taking that ground. You and I, when we praise and worship God... We're taking back the heavenlies because that's where our praise goes. We're taking back the heavenlies. Where the enemy wants to mess everything up, we're taking it back. So our praise is God's habitation. In Psalm 9 verse 1 it says, I, give you thank, I, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wondrous deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They will stumble and perish before you. <laughs> I trust that something is changing in our thinking tonight about praise and worship. Number six, lift up your hands. I want you all just to lift up your hands. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to see Jesus in his highest, highest, seated at the right hand of the Father. And in your heart, I just want you just to, to magnify him however you want to right now. You are magnificent, Jesus. You are awesome. You're amazing. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. King of all kings. Lord of all lords. Beautiful. We worship you. We worship you. There's two words. Lifting up hands. Toda, you can put your hands down. Toda means to lift up our hands in thanksgiving. And yada is to worship with extended hands. And in Psalm 28, verse 2, it says, Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards our, your most holy place. There's something about lifting up our hands. Have you seen a child when they're in trouble? What do they do? They run to mom and dad and they... A child that doesn't even know how to talk knows how to get help from mom and dad. And I want to tell you there's something in that. That when you and I We'll surrender our hands and lift them up and surrender to God and say, God, you own everything. You are everything. I owe everything I have to you. I surrender all. I surrender all. That's what John the Baptist is saying. I must decrease. He must increase. Heard a true story of a girl that was involved in drugs and that, and eventually the drug lords wanted to kill her, and they were chasing her, and she ran. And eventually she ran into a... Uh, uh, a nightclub that they were dancing and she ran into the middle and she had served God at one time 
And right in the middle of the dance floor, she just lifted up her hands and she cried out to the Lord. And then the, the people disappeared. The people that were running after disappeared. Years later, she, she came across the very people that wanted to kill her. And, and she said, what happened that night? And they said, when you ran into that crowd and you lifted up your hands, something took us and threw us against the wall. <laughs> That's what God does for someone who's run away and still cries out for help. What will he do for you and I? What will he do for you and I? Number seven, bowing, kneeling, and falling prostrate. When is the last time we did that? What does that mean? When you go down and say, God, you're humbling yourself before him. You're bowing low, recognizing how big he is. That he's awesome. That there's none like him. There is none like him. And that... One of those words is Barak, to kneel and to bless the Lord. So in other words, when you and I kneel and our heart is right with him, it blesses him to see that. And the other one is, uh, is shakar, to crouch, to fall flat. A Greek one is proskunio. I think. And it's to prostrate and to worship. An amazing, amazing scripture, if you go and read in the book of Revelation, it says that the 24 elders bowed low before him, honoring him and magnifying him and respecting him for who he is. What is it when I, when I bow before him? I esteem him, I honor him, and I show him respect. And I declare he is Lord, and I submit to his lordship. The Bible tells us, to submit to God and to resist the enemy. You cannot resist the enemy if you've never submitted to God. So as we close, and we're gonna, then we're going to live everything, and we're going to trust God to just do something. Worship is singing what the Word says. It's about magnifying the Lord. Lifting up the name of the Lord. Declaring him king of kings, lord of lords, allowing him to be who he says he is, and doing what he asks us to do. That's what it's all about. It's about focusing on him. Putting him in the rightful place. Giving him what is due to him. And everything that you and I carry is what we can give him. That's why when Jesus comes and lives in our heart by the Holy Spirit... We don't have to work out these things because just the Holy Spirit in us starts to help us express our love for the Lord. Isn't that amazing? So he didn't leave us as orphans. He gave us the Holy Spirit to be something that will help us. So those are just some things. There's lots more that we can, but those I felt are really just important that God wanted to kind of touch on tonight. So are you ready now to worship him? How you know how you're sensing in your heart, and let's believe God. You see, here's, here's, as I was putting this together, some of us have been, oh, it's almost like the enemy has been harassing you for a mighty long time. Here's the thing that's going to help you turn this thing around. It's not a wonder, okay, I'm going to jump up and down or whatever. No, no. You're going to learn a lifestyle now that as you and I carry on doing it, you're going to see your situation change. Because there's no instant pudding in the Bible. 
Nothing. Everything takes time, persistence. You're going to have to believe it. You have to believe it with all your heart, and you have to keep on doing it. And when you don't feel like doing it, you do it again. And when you're tired of doing it, you do it again. And when, you, when everything on the inside of you is saying, shut down, give up, no, you, you step up one more time. And every day you step up one more time and one more time. And you just keep, you just keep on keeping on. Because Ephesians 6 says this, once having done all, stand. You stand on what you know. You stand on what you believe. You stand and to keep declaring what God's word says about you. Because the enemy cannot stand against that. That's why we don't do our own thing. Can I ask us all to stand? We're going to worship. We're going to praise him. Come on to the front. If you need space, find space. Whatever. I'm asking you tonight. You're not under pressure to do anything. Please listen to me. The only thing we want to do is we want to model biblical values. That's it. That's what Andrew's asked us to build. And that's what we're building. What does God's word say? And if something's been touched in your heart tonight, all I'm asking you is be obedient to that. In Jesus' name. So now, my Father, you said signs and wonders will follow the ministry of your word. I'm asking you to move in this place now. You know where every single person's at. You know where the pressure, you know the mountains, you know the valleys, you know where they are. Tonight, as we by faith, will magnify your name. You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw. And as we lift you up now, in Jesus' name, will you draw? Will you work? And will you do something I ask in Jesus' name? We thank and we give you praise.